Chapter Twenty Seven of the Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Assurance. Rona went back to her old quarters at the little hotel in Surrey Street for that night, and next morning Heatherwick came round to her with an armful of newspapers. Finding her alone, he laid them on the table at her side with a significant nod of his head at certain big black letters which topped the uppermost columns. "'Matherfield must have given plenty of informing news to the pressmen last night,' he remarked with a grim smile. "'It's all in there. His own adventures at Southampton yesterday, mine and Rob Moore's in Westminster, and all the rest of it. I believe the newspaper people call this sort of thing a story, and a fine story it makes. Winding up, of course, with the dramatic arrest of Basveri at Waterloo. I'm afraid we're in for publicity for a time, worse luck. Shall we, shall I, have to appear at that man's trial? asked Rona. That's unavoidable, I'm afraid and at other things before that, answered Heatherwick. There'll be the proceedings before the magistrate, and the adjourned inquest, and so on. Can't be helped, and there'll be some satisfaction in knowing that we're ridding the world of a peculiarly cruel and cold-blooded murderer. That chap, Basveri, is certainly as consummate a villain as I ever heard of. A human spider, and clever in his web-spinning. But I wish one had a few more particulars on one point, and yet I don't see how one's to get them. What point? asked Rona. That sealed packet containing the details, or formula, or whatever it is, of your grandfather's invention, replied Heatherwick. Where is it? What precisely is it? Did Ambrose get it from him? Has Basveri got it? So far as I can make out, the whole thing began with that. Whether it was really worth a farthing or a fortune, your grandfather brought to London something which he honestly believed to be of great value. And there's no doubt that he got into the hands of those two men, Ambrose and Basveri, because of it. There's no doubt either that, in conversation with them, he told them, perhaps jokingly, what he knew about Madame de Storel. Nor is there any doubt that these two murdered him. Nor is there any doubt in my mind as to how they murdered him. You must remember that both men were trained medical men, and, obviously, of a scientific turn of mind, into the bargain. Each had doubtless made a deep study of poisons. Such a knowledge is of value to such men as they were, men of criminal tendencies. Probably they knew of a subtle poison, easily administered, the effects of which would not be evident for some hours. No doubt they timed their work, so that their victim should die swiftly and suddenly, when well away from their laboratory. And, of course, they did the same thing in the case of Granite. Granite paid the penalty of being with your grandfather. 
but for what did they murder your grandfather did they get rid of him so that they could keep his secret about madame mistorelle to themselves and blackmail her and her sister or that they could rob him of his invention and turn it to their own profit if the latter then he paused looking inquiringly at rona as if he expected her to see what he was after but rona shook her head i don't follow she said what then this replied heatherwick if their desire to get hold of grandfather's secret was their motive then that secret's worth a lot of money money which ought to come to you don't you see where is the secret where's the sealed packet i suppose the police would search basveri last night perhaps they found it on him we shall hear but anyway it's yours rona made a gesture of aversion i should hate to touch or have anything to do with it if it had been in that man's possession she said but i don't think there's any doubt that they murdered my grandfather because of that secret only i think too they'd a double motive the secret about madame l'histoire was their second string probably they believed that lady rivers reed would be an easy prey and i think she would have been if she hadn't had major pentony to fall back on i know she was dreadfully upset after basveri's first visit so i put it this way always have done though they thought they could sell grandfather's invention for a lot of money and get another lot out of lady riversreed and madame l'historelle as blackmail black money indeed all of it exclaimed heatherwick well a woman's servant put her head into the little parlour in which they were sitting and looked significantly at rona there's a policeman downstairs miss asking for you she announced leastways he wants to know if you can tell him if mr heatherwick's here or been here heatherwick went to the head of the stair a policeman standing in the hall below looked up and touched his helmet inspector matherfield's compliments sir and could you step round and bring miss hannaford with you he asked there's new developments mr heatherwick important we'll come at once assented heatherwick ten minutes he went back and hurried rona away what now he asked as they hastened towards matherfield's office perhaps they've extracted something out of basveri or possibly the newspapers have attracted the attention of somebody who can give further news the last suggestion strengthened itself when on entering matherfield's room they found him closeted with two strangers whose appearance was that of responsible and well-to-do commercial men all three were discovered in what looked like a serious and deep conversation and heatherwick was quick to notice that the two unknown men looked at rona with unusual interest matherfield made haste to introduce her as the late ex-superintendent hannaford's granddaughter and heatherwick as a gentleman who had been much concerned in the recent proceedings these gentlemen miss hannaford and mr heatherwick he proceeded waving his hand at the others are messieurs 
Cuthwaite and Houseover, manufacturing chemists of Eastham. Incidentally, they've also a big place in Lancashire. And, having seen this morning's paper, in which you've no doubt noticed there's a good deal about our affair, they've come straight to me with some news which will prove uncommonly useful when Basvelli is put in the dock before the magistrate this afternoon. The fact is, Mr. Hedowick, these gentlemen have supplied a missing link. What link? asked Hedowick eagerly. Matherfield nodded at the elder of the two men, Cuthwaite, who produced a pocket-book and extracted from it a sheet of paper. Silently, he passed it over to Matherfield, who turned to Rona. "'Now, Miss Hannaford,' he said, with a note of triumph in his voice, "'I dare say you can positively identify your grandfather's handwriting and his way of making figures. Can you swear that this has been written by him?' Rona gave but one glance at the paper before looking up with a glance of positive assertion. "'Oh, yes,' she exclaimed. "'That is his writing, without a doubt. Nothing could be more certain.' Matherfield turned to Heatherwick. "'That's the formula for the ink,' he said. "'Now we've got the big thing we wanted, and Mr. Cuthwaite will tell you how he got it.' Cuthwaite, after allowing Heatherwick to look at the paper, carefully replaced it in his pocketbook. There was an air of anxiety about him, and about his partner, concerning which Heatherwick began to make guesses. They looked as if they were uncertain and uneasy. But Cuthwaite was ready enough to tell his story. "'We got it in this way,' he said. And I may as well say, as I've already said to you, Mr. Matterfield, that I don't think we should have got it at all if your police people hadn't been so reticent on that one particular point. If you'd noised it abroad about Hanford's secret, we might have been forewarned. However, some little time ago, a man whom we knew as Basing, and whom I firmly believe to be the Basveri that we've read about in the papers this morning, a man, mind you, that we'd done business with now and then during the last year or so, came to us and offered us the formula for a new black ink, which he asserted would drive every known ink off the market all over the world. He made extravagant claims for it, he swore it was the first absolutely perfect writing fluid ever invented. He brought a sample of it, which he'd made up himself. He put it to various tests. But he did more. He offered us the use of the secret formula so that we ourselves could make and test it before deciding whether we'd fall in with his suggestion, which was that we should offer him a lump cash sum for the formula. Well, we did make the ink from the formula, and we did test it, and there is no doubt about it. It is all, and perhaps more, than Basing or Basveri claimed for its excellence. I needn't go into the drawbacks attaching to most well-known inks. This has none of them. And when Basing came back to us a few days ago, we decided to buy the formula from him. We agreed upon a cash price, and day before yesterday we paid the amount over at our office in Eastham. 
yes said heatherwick quietly and what was the price agreed upon the two partners exchanged a glance it seemed to rona who was watching them intently that they looked more uneasy than before but cuthwaite replied with promptitude ten thousand pounds how did you pay him asked heatherwick in cash no by open cheque at his own request that of course was as good as cash but continued cuthwaite as soon as we read the newspapers this morning we that is i for i read the whole thing on my way to business went at once to our bank to see if the cheque had been cashed it had an hour or two after we'd handed it to basing he'd taken the amount in bank of england notes heatherwick looked at matterfield of course he remarked as if he were asking a question that formula belongs to miss hannaford basbury had no right to sell it he stole it that's the fact mr heatherwick assented matterfield these gentlemen innocently enough bought stolen property but i've just told them something that i'll tell you now we found the money notes on basbury last night intact in his pocket-book of course with that and the jewels which his accomplice succeeded in getting at southampton he'd got a nice haul but now we can easily prove how he came by that ten thousand and it'll go back to messrs cuthwaite and house over there we can prove too from their evidence that basbury poisoned mr hannaford for the sake of that formula basbury's done these gentlemen will recover their ten thousand pounds then said heatherwick in that case he turned to the two partners i don't see that you've anything to worry about he suggested the formula of course must be handed over to well now that's just it mr heatherwick interrupted the partner who until then had kept silent the fact is sir we don't want to lose that formula we gave this man baring or basbury ten thousand pounds for it but but you really believe it to be worth more eh said heatherwick with a smile i see then in that case if we get back our ten thousand sir we shall be pleased to treat with the rightful owner said cuthwaite after an exchange of looks with his partner in the meantime the formula is safe and secret with us we are well-known people we'll leave it at that just now answered heatherwick miss hannaford will trust you to keep your word about safety and secrecy and later business he got up and rona rose with him shall you want us to-day matterfield he asked if not no replied matterfield merely formal business to-day then this afternoon he'll be brought up only evidence of arrest and application of adjournment you can go away mr heatherwick we'll let you both know when you're wanted heatherwick let rona out and once clear of the police precincts smote his stick on the pavement when we're through with this business i'm hanged if i ever dabble in crime affairs again personally he exclaimed 
Basberi has been a pretty vile example to tackle, and that you should be dragged into it, too, he added suddenly, that upset me more than anything. However, it's getting to an end. And then... He paused while she looked up at him with a little wonder at his vehemence. Then, and as they were at the moment walking along a quiet stretch of the less frequented side of the embankment, she timidly laid a hand on his arm. He turned sharply, laying his hand on hers. "'I think you've been very considerate and thoughtful for me,' she said. "'After all, it wasn't quite mere interest in crime that made you—' "'Good Lord, no!' he exclaimed quickly. "'At first, perhaps, half that, half you. "'I felt, somehow, that I'd got to look after you. "'And then, and when you disappeared, "'but I believe I'm a bit muddle-headed. "'I'll tell you something. "'All that time that you were lost, I—' "'Well, I scarcely ever slept, wondering, you know, "'and when you turned up yesterday afternoon. "'But I want to ask you something that I'm not quite clear about. "'I was certainly muddled just then.' "'What is it?' she asked. "'Heatherwick bent down to her and dropped his voice. "'I was so glad, so relieved to see you yesterday afternoon,' he said, "'that, that I felt dazed, eh? "'And I want to know, did I kiss you?' "'Rona suddenly looked up at him and laughed. "'Oh, how really amusing you are! "'Why, of course you did. "'Twice!' "'That's good,' he exclaimed. "'I, I thought perhaps I had dreamt it. "'But did you kiss me?' "'Do you really want to be dead sure?' "'asked Rona mischievously. "'Very well, I did.' "'That's better,' said Heatherwick. "'End of chapter 27 "'Recording by Kirsten Weber "'End of the Charing Cross Mystery "'by J. S. Fletcher "'Fletcher